you know, the commodity markets on on its best days is a little screwy, but boy, did we start off the week in a weird way. On Monday, oil prices just plummeted. And actually, the whole complex, natural gas, gasoline, heating oil, Brent, all down. And I guess tied to China, but then they sort of firm back up. But that's just sort of the nature of it. How you how you pick which what which side of this commodity to be on? I don't know, but I do know who knows. Edward Herring is the co-founder of, and managing partner of Tailwater Capital. They invest lots of other people's money in a commodity that I just can't figure out. And he joins us right now. It's good to have you with us. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. No, it's good to have you here. So. I don't know. Like I said, I this is a little squirrely. You've been doing this for three and a, with three and a half billion dollars over four different cycles through the whole commodity cycle. Which? How do you decide which side to be on right now? Are you long or short? <laughs> well, we you know we do spend a lot of time on the macro environment. Uh, we try as the fundamental you know proposition of our firm is to. Uh, really get behind the the supply demand mix and and take a take a look at it. We so we we're constructive right now. We feel like the commodity price uh, reality, while very volatile, um, underlying the supply side of things is uh, you know less capital flowing into the business. Certainly from a public market perspective, um, and that's driven by a couple of things. You know, sentiment in and around ESG related issues. You know. Uh, carbon emissions and the like, um, and then this this drive in the public markets to make sure that uh, public companies are good fiduciaries and return capital to investors, and that came kind of off off the back of what we call internally shale 2.0. You know, there's been yeah. a, a real focus on discipline and returning of capital to investors that has resonated through the industry, and so what we've seen is demand come back. Uh, to pre-COVID levels and supply is underinvested in, and so right now, kind of structurally, we view the commodity as being uh, a little short on supply and, and demand being very resilient. You know, um, you 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 bring up ESG, and, and and of course, there was so much concentration on ESG for a long right. time. Then all of a sudden, you know, we go into a recession or a mini recession, and everybody starts worried. And usually, that's when all those good intentions sort of fly out the window. <laughs> Everybody Correct. goes back to, uh, you know, fear and greed, the normal stuff. You're right. Right. It's, you know, I, I will say living through the last three and a half years globally, we got a pretty good insight into the demand side of the equation, certainly on the oil uh, market. Um, you know, obviously, when when COVID first occurred in 2020, you know, everyone was basically at home and you saw a really, really steep drop in demand. For the commodity, but that has been quite resilient, um, despite all of the things that are in the paper, you know, every day about the potential for oil demand having peaked, yeah. uh, and that's a real hot topic of deliberation or, around people who trade the commodity. But fundamentally, what what we've seen is a very resilient demand profile globally. But you, the, you've got a, you you have your your table's full. You've got you can look at every aspect of energy for investment. And I guess I'm wondering what's hot right now, and maybe what's what's safe and hot. Midstream sort of comes to mind the the ability to to transport. Gosh, I think of you know getting natural gas down to to LNG, you know, facilities down on the coast would be. It ought to just it just just seem like shooting fish in a barrel. 
So the mid in the midstream side of the business is has proven to be a really uh, interesting place uh, to invest. Certainly, our investors' money. We are very constructive on midstream. Um, the last four years has been also volatile. Even though you're not, you know, midstream companies don't take as much price action as E and P. You know, upstream companies uh, because it's more of a tolling business where you're charging for volume going through your system, but on a fixed fee basis. So it's a little, it's a little, a little bit more immune to price volatility. Right. Um, but what's happened in that business is you've seen balance sheets really get healthy uh, over the last four years. And so the public market companies, which are really called MLPs, most midstream companies are formed in what's called a master limited partnership format, are really very yield oriented, distribution oriented value propositions. And so they're healthy, healthier than they've ever been in terms of balance sheets. The yield profile has gone up. I think there's an index called the Alarian Index. And I think right, right now the Alarian trades at nine plus percent yield from a, but, if you own a piece of, you know, if you own a common equity in one of those companies or a partnership interests, you can make nine to 10% just as a composite for, for your investment. But Which, it seemed like the and, number of master limited partnerships has just been shrinking really, over the last exactly decade. Right. Are there any new ones coming? No, we don't believe so. And, um, and, and that, you know, that from a public market investor perspective is something that I think uh, should catch people's eye when, you know, again, as our firm goes, we're, we invest in midstream companies, but we tend, you know, we own them in their private companies. And when we look yeah. for an exit here at Tailwater, we nine times out of 10 sell to a public company. Um, so we own, we own this exposure in private companies that also yield, but the public market MLP composite as evidenced by Alarian is it's pretty healthy right you know, now. It's as yeah, healthy as it's ever been. You know, and, and maybe that explains, I mean, I, I am a pure novice in, in your business, but I'm looking at your portfolio of names and I don't recognize one of them. <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean, they got neat names, Blue Tide and Copperback and Freestone and a Goodnight, sure. but I've never heard of any of these companies. How do you find companies or do they find That's you? That's a great question. So we, you know, Tailwater Capital is a private equity firm. We raise money from, you know, pension funds and endowments and institutions all across the country that are looking for us to fill kind of a private investment role for them. And so what we really uh, are specialists at is, is backing very entrepreneurial teams, management teams that have tremendous domain expertise in the midstream space. And we solve, I mean, to put most simply, we solve problems from for counterparties. And in the share revolution, what that really meant is we don't have enough infrastructure. So pick our favorite basin in Texas, call it the Permian Basin. Both sides of the Permian Basin have ample inventory of, of, of places to go drill oil and gas wells that are very attractive at, you know, above $50 oil. We didn't have enough pipe. We didn't have enough cryogenic processing assets. We did not have enough compression um, to, to do the walk forward. I mean, over the last 15 years, we've this this country has gone from four and a half million barrels of oil produced per day to over 13 million barrels per day. It's been a remarkable uh, evolution of a business that's been present, but is now kind of the largest 
oil and gas produce, producing nation, uh, nation in the country. And so we needed more infrastructure. So what were we doing? We were standing up teams that were solving problems on behalf of large E&P companies, for example. We're very, you know, a lot of our companies take rich gas, gas that comes out of the ground and processes it and so they can be pipeline ready. So we do a lot of that. So we'll build cryogenic processing plants to get liquids out, et cetera. So we're in the, you know, gas conditioning business. Right. And again, over the arc of this 15 year period of time, there were ample needs that weren't being filled by public company counterparts. And so our companies are built to solve problems and they're private. And that's why you have not heard of them. But but how do you vet these companies? So these are not public companies. They don't have public filings. You've got to really get in there and and do your homework. Or I guess it's some, you know it's a fairly small universe. So if you've been doing this for thirty or forty years, you probably know a lot of these people too. So we do, and when we when we make acquisitions, that's exactly what we do. It looks like any other business that's where you're buying an asset that, and we you know we really like to buy assets that are underappreciated, undervalued by the owner of the asset, et cetera. But we also have teams that are out there without assets without you know so they're companies but they have no assets and they are they are bridging commercial needs with real assets so a lot of cases will sign contracts and build new assets that were not present and that is how we create companies if you will and those are called we, we call them inside of our company anchored greenfield so it's not any different than building a having a Walmart and anchoring a retail establishment around Walmart signing a contract in the real estate business. So if we want to use a real estate analogy, we, we do that with midstream companies. In many, many cases, we're building something that wasn't present, that is new infrastructure that solves a problem with the counterparty. That, so that, that's we'll, a buy companies, we'll buy companies and make them better. That's what we try to, we try to add operational value. Uh, a lot of times those are divisions of larger companies. Um, that they're looking to sell to raise money, for example. That's a motivation oftentimes. And we'll buy these nine core assets and try to make them better over time. But oftentimes we also just start up a company and build new infrastructure. And that certainly in the shale revolution, that's been that's yeah. been a big part of our business. Yeah, it's a it's a great analogy. Well, I mean this is it's a fascinating business and and they, you know, they've been Drilling for oil for a long time, but by golly, they change the rules about every four or five years, it seems like. Edward Harris, they, they certainly have. the co-founder, managing partner of Tailwater Capital, which has been out raising money since 2013, and he's been doing that for a long time. It's good to have you with us. Thank you, sir. Well, thank you very much. Thanks. I look forward you. to the next time. Uh, for more of our conversation, go to krld.com slash CEO. I'm David Johnson, News Radio 1080 KRLD.